Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. My guests on the panel were David Walters, the Chief of Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center, Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and the former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yefsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. First, we hear from David Walters. If you read the President's Management Agenda, it first catches your eye. It's very different than previous years. It's, it's much, much more focused with just three top priorities. And uh, I think they really nailed it with the top priorities for the workforce, customer experience, and then just generally improving business operations of the government. And here within Commerce, thanks to our real partnership with OMB, as we were going through the strategic planning process and somewhat in parallel with the uh, White House's efforts to draft the, the president's management agenda, they were really great with sharing drafts and letting us get a sneak peek ahead of what these priorities were going to be as they were drafting them. So that enabled us here at Commerce to incorporate the PMA into our strategic planning process and fold it into our new strategic objectives and our new 2022 uh, to 2026 strategic plan. So it's great to have that opportunity to integrate. Now, it's not too late. That's one of the things I wanted to share. If, If your agency didn't incorporate explicitly the PMA into your new strategic plan, you can still incorporate the the actions. And one of the reasons you can is because, again, this is something I noticed that's really uh, special about this PMA is the process to get new executive orders signed uh, and released also was very much in alignment with the new presence management agenda. So within these pillars, there's strategies, but there's also executive orders that back up and have required actions. So your agency is going to be working on those executive orders that are aligned very closely with pillars of the new president's management agenda. So for instance, uh, the the DEIA element, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility within the, the first pillar, there's a requirement in that new executive order to develop a new plan and actions uh, related to that. And our strategic planning team and uh, leadership across the department has worked very closely with our Office of Civil Rights and, and Human Resources team. So we got an early jump, but just because you may not got an early jump, there's still a great opportunity to get that alignment and drive that alignment. Those are the, the two big pieces I want to lead in on. I really do think there's a lot of opportunity. The one that I'll tease up and we'll probably hit on a little bit later is the second pillar on customer experience. I really do think that's one that where we get a lot of bang for the buck and there's not as much uh, resources often involved. It's usually around process changes and behavior changes and just training within your workforce to improve customer service, customer experience, and, and getting the data needed to, to get those feedback loops in there. And I will, I think that's a great opportunity for folks. I think one of the challenges that I look forward to talking about is again, the competition for executive time and priorities, even though this is focused there's a lot of initiatives out there still, nonetheless, and you've got a lot of different groups. Uh, you've got performance folks, you've got budget folks, you've got risk folks, program management people, and, and uh, even the new Program Evaluation and Evidence Act folks. 
And you shouldn't be all off going in your own silos trying to do the PMA elements or these executive orders. You should be getting some uh, integration and synergy. And one thing here at Commerce, we really do implement a uh, systematic approach within the, our, our execution of the federal performance framework, which we think these other elements all nest under and support. And that's based on our very own uh, Malcolm Baldrich performance framework out of NIST. And if you haven't heard about that, uh, that's a great uh, award for the performance and operation of organizations in the United States. It's the highest award from the president uh, for operational excellence. All right. Well, thank you, Harry. Let me do a quick follow-up before we move over to David. I love the fact that you were able to integrate it in your strategic plan, knowing kind of like OMB and White House signaled, okay, where they were going. Maybe just give us a little bit of sense of how you did that. Was that a series of meetings? Did you bring together the CXOs? I guess the the question is top-down, bottom-ups. How'd you kind of get through to bring the strategic plan planning piece on top of the PMA and, and, and the EOs, how'd that all come together? We do uh, have a bit of a top-down, bottom-up approach within the political apparatus in the office of the secretary. That's where we were getting the sneak peeks and uh, through the president's uh, management council, the deputy secretaries and the other senior advisors and policy advisors up with the secretary and deputy secretary. So we had great communication and collaboration there on the sort of top down piece to to lay out the framework and priorities. And then we were able to then take that out. We have 13 different bureaus, operating units, subcomponents of the Department of Commerce. Many people are more familiar with those than the actual department. But uh, so we reached out to the NOAA, the, the Census Bureau, the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, Trade Administration, all these other. And we had a strategic planning working group team of about 75 different representatives total. And that was sort of our bottom down. So as our political team really set that framework of the skeleton, then the the working group bottom up started developing the strategies and uh, uh, putting the meat on the bones there. All right. A lot more to ask about that working group, but we will move over to uh, David from NASA. David, uh, tell us something we don't know about NASA and and the President's Management Agenda. For the last six years, I've served as NASA's Deputy Performance Improvement Officer. In that capacity, I manage a mixed team of civil servants and contractors that are responsible for coordinating a broad portfolio of activities in response to both GIPRAMA, as well as the more recently enacted Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act. These activities include publication of NASA's annual performance plans and reports, as well as our four-year learning agenda, our capacity assessment, and our accompanying annual evaluation plans. All of these products and processes have in common their shared reliance on our quadrennial strategic plan um, as the foundational framework that we as an agency use to communicate our performance and our activities to the administration, Congress, and the public. Developing that strategic plan every four years is easily the most critical task that's entrusted to my team. And the work of building that document has benefited greatly through our close coordination with the President's Management Council, and in particular through the development of the President's Management Agenda every four years. The PMA is an invaluable tool uh, for us, and and where we primarily use it is, is we look to it to codify a new administration set of priorities that in turn each of the 24 CFO Act agencies are going to use to ensure that we're all speaking with one voice as a government. In turn, large agencies use their GIPRAMA and Evidence Act products to report out on how well we as a government are implementing the principles of a PMA. 
NASA is unique in that we do not lead the cross-government coordination of any individual priorities outlined in the PMA, but we see ourselves strongly supporting all of them. You can see that commitment to the themes of the Biden-Harris PMA as they have been woven throughout the fabric of the strategic plan that we released in March. Uh, just to provide a couple of examples of where you can see that connection, we created a new strategic objective in our 2022 strategic plan that is fully built around supporting the administration's commitment to advancing equity as a core part of government management and decision-making. Uh, we also required that each of our six mission directorates use a subset of their real estate in the strategic plan to talk to their efforts to promote a diverse, equitable, inclusive, and accessible workforce that is reflective of all of America. And a lot of that language, a lot of that messaging, a lot of that direction is pulled directly from the PMA. For other examples, there's a call in the PMA to address climate-related risks, you know, leading by example as the U.S. moves forward implementing sustainable climate solutions. We as a team building NASA's 2022 strategic plan found that prior strategic plans probably didn't go far enough to demonstrate NASA's uh, considerable efforts in this area. So when we went about writing the new 2022 strategic plan, we made sure to include a strategic objective built around climate change research, and then another strategic objective built around sharing that data with the rest of the world. And again, much of that direction, much of that language, much of that messaging came directly from the PMA. And then uh, in a looser example, you know, you'll see clear ties to Build Back Better um, and the Build Back Better language and messaging from the PMA woven throughout almost all of the legacy strategic objectives that we largely carried over from our preceding strategic plans. So in summary, you know, and I hope I've provided a couple of worthwhile examples to, to support this statement, the PMA has really emerged as a major resource for those of us in the performance community entrusted with developing strategic plans. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we sincerely appreciate the lengths to which the White House and the President's Management Council have gone to ensure that the performance community is tied in as a new PMA is coming together. I think that's one of the most valuable parts of the process is that we're all working on developing a PMA together as we're working on strategic plans. Uh, I hope to see this trend continue as we inch closer towards the next strategic planning cycle. Um, and to that effect, I wouldn't be surprised if the PMA has an even larger impact um, in the strategic plans that we collectively publish in 2026. All right, well, thank you, David. And one quick follow-up for you. As you were developing sure. the plan, maybe walk us through that process because very similar to what Harry was talking about where they got a little bit of a heads up on the on the PMA and some of the priorities coming from the EOs. And then also they brought, brought together that 75-person group of from bureaus and units. How do you guys go through about developing your strategic plan and how did you fold in the PMA? Because in some ways we just learned about the PMA in, in really in deep detail in April, and you were already out, you know, working on this well before April to, to develop what you were, you know, what NASA's goals were and, and walk me through that process a little bit. Sure. So I would say that there's a couple of different ways that you see that, that linkage actually play out in real time. Um, every agency has um, a principal that participates on the president's management council. Uh, and we make it a point to make sure that we're closely tied in with that principle um, and we're connecting with that person after every uh, meeting of the President's Management Council. And she's giving us regular updates you know, on the discussions that are taking place as the PMA is being developed. 
Um, another place where you see that connection um, occur is in the cross-government uh, OMB strategic plan working group that Adam Lipton and company lead out of OMB. Um, that is an excellent resource for folks like Harry and I to gather once a month and kind of hear directly from OMB what is going to make it into the PMA, what's likely not going to, and how we can most effectively use that messaging. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. The guests on that panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center, Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. My guests on the panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center. Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department. And Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. To begin this segment, you first hear from Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. So let's start off with a little bit of history because everybody wants to know as you were you know, doing the introduction. So I've been with Performance Institute about three years. Before that, I ran a business intelligence organization for about 20 years, which kind of goes back to your original comment about 2001 and implementation of the red, the, the standard red, yellow, blue. We did implementations for a significant number of agencies and government groups, specifically in the DOD and FedCiv side that are like, okay, this is what they want us to do. We're not sure what it means, but this is what we want to implement to try and track. And so on, a, on the data standpoint, we've walked through that. So going back to some of the things that we're seeing in interactions we're getting from a lot of the, uh, especially on the PMA standpoint is the issuance of, of evidence. Uh, the Evidence Act seems to be taking a real strong connection into the strategic planning process, especially in this last iteration. And I know I've had, I've had a couple of conversations with, with uh, David's group and specifically, um, you know, Sean and Craig out at NASA and how they're, how those connection points are coming together, as well as some areas that Pam was talking about, which is the, uh, the customer experience aspect. These are questions that are being asked not only of other federal agencies, but think tanks like Performance Institute and how we see some of the changes. Or, you know, the one thing that Pam had stated flat out was that OPM is not saying we're going to do this only in the federal government. It's more along the lines of, okay, we know we have federal and state and, and city and county agencies, but they're also reaching out to those like us for the uh, within a think tank standpoint to say, women, what else are you guys hearing? Because again, we don't want to, re you know, they don't want to reinvent the wheel. They want to basically have, you know, you know, collaboration, communication and sharing of information, which is real valuable for, for what, for, you know, for what we're trying to do here. Again, the, the end customer experience is really what's important. And as part of that, 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 that improvement process, you also don't want to go ahead and do. Um, Harry's going to be familiar with this comment with this this phrase because this is coming out of the DoD. You don't want 
and idea fairies that are just coming out of nowhere that are saying, hey, we need to do this, but there's no real evidence backing of saying there's something here, there's a need, there's a thought, there's activity that says we need to make this change. It's not just a, mm, I want to do this because I want to do this. And so these are the type, those are the three real main themes that we hear a lot uh, to help that, that, that are where government is trying to improve the process as a whole to be more efficient and more transparent in the activities that we're going, that they're doing. I love the fact you brought up the Evidence Act. I uh, moderated a panel around a lot of chief data officers. And when I talked to the chief data officers, time and again, they talked about their goal to have usability and accessibility of data, but they also pointed right back to the Evidence Act. Since you, know, you and I can, you know, have been watching this from maybe the outside perspective for such a long time, why is the Evidence Act having such a big impact today? What's different today about that than, you know, you go back to uh, GPRA, GPRA Modernization Act, you go back to, to so many of these other attempts by Congress, by administrations. Is there something that happened or is it just we understand it better? What's your take? I think there's, there's actually a culmination of about three items here. One, the fact is, is that a lot of the data information, data collection, data modeling that's been basically, you can almost say in play, for almost the last two decades, for the most part, you had some very large players that are trying to go in and figure out how to understand their own information and their own data. You had where you've got a lot of the big BI players that have, that have been trying to help a lot of the different agencies understand their information. So business objects, Cognos, Click. The fact is, is that the information is now there and available. The Evidence Act right now, the reason why its big point is, it's kind of like, okay, we know we have the data. We know we have collected the data, or at least we've got something, we've got enough that we can start making some true informational decisions that haven't been really, you know, you're, if you're talking about the late 90s, that data really didn't exist. Uh, early 200, 2000s, it, it was getting there. I think we really started hitting our serious strides in 2010, 2011, 2012, to the point where we're like, no, I have a true understanding of the information and the Evidence Act now in my opinion, is where it's going to say, okay, now I don't have to go and tell you, I need you to go ahead and, and make an informed decision. Now I know you have the data to make an informed decision. And now we need to solidify that decision-making process down to say, you have enough that you can tweak it or understand it to really truly say, do this. It's going to save that. We're going to we're going to, you know, we're going to be able to reduce workload for members, which makes them, of course, happier because they're still doing their same job and having the impact. But also, it helps with the direction and the drive of where they're trying to go. I would tend to agree with you in many ways. And I'm going to bring David and Harry <laughs> into the conversation and remind the folks who are watching to submit questions. We want your questions. We want you to participate in this conversation. But uh, David, maybe jump in about the Evidence Act as well. I know that's something that that is really important to your organization, uh, not just from NASA's perspective, but your specific unit that your office that you're working on. How's that kind of influenced where you're heading and, and how you are developing your strategic plan? I think there's a couple of impacts that I'd highlight. NASA has long considered itself a data-driven organization. I think what the Evidence Act has kind of brought to the table for us is it's kind of forced us to focus our energies a little bit. If you had come to me before the Evidence Act had been enacted and you had said, you know, talk to me about, you know, NASA's, you know, major 
you know, self-reflective activities? What kind of data do you use as you're developing a new strategic plan? And I probably would have given you 50 or 60 different answers. What the Evidence Act did is kind of fo uh, forced us to focus that down into a narrow list of priority questions so that we now think of it in terms of, yes, like we're looking at 50 or 60 different things, but within that, here's the five or six, you know, key priorities that we're going to focus on for the next four years. So as a messaging tool, that's been really helpful. Another way that it's been helpful is it's kind of forced all of the 24 CFO Act agencies to talk in one voice when we're having conversation, conversations around evidence and evaluation and data-driven uh, decisions. I think prior to the Evidence Act, we were having 24 different conversations. You know, just having terminology, you know, that everyone's on the same page with has been huge. And then finally, you know, it has created a, a lift in workload for better or for worse. If you were to look at our 2018 strategic plan, you know, it's 64 pages long. Our 2022 strategic plan is well over 100. And that extra material is all, you know, in fulfillment of our Evidence Act requirements. And so just from terms of like impact, it's, it, it's had some changes to how we do resourcing. It's, it's created some changes for how many disparate processes we have going into the strategic plan. And it's altered when we tend to begin a strategic plan. Um, given that we have more that needs to get in there, we started earlier now. All right, David, I got to admit, when you told me the 2018 plan was 64 pages, I thought you were going to tell me the 2022 plan was like 30 pages. <laughs> I thought you were going to go yeah. the opposite direction, not more. So is that surprising yep. that it's over 100 pages? I mean, is that, is that good or is that just overwhelming? I mean, how do you how do you strike that balance? What we've did for this time around is we've got the core strategic plan content in the front of the document. And that kind of encapsulates the core strategic plan material. And that kind of gets us down to like a 50 page range, something that's a little bit more palatable. And then for the Evidence Act material, we've created a series of appendices to the document. And that allows people that want to just look at the core strategic plan content to be able to quickly and easily discern that. And then for those folks that want to get down into the weeds a little bit further, we have that material in the document for them as well. I think where you're going to see it change in the future is I think as the Evidence Act continues to evolve and become a bigger part of our processes, I wouldn't be surprised if in future strategic plans, learning agendas, capacity assessments, the other components of the Evidence Act end up sitting at the front of strategic plans and actually feed into the strategic goals um, and influence them. And I think when we do that, that growth in the strategic plan length will probably become more permanent. Harry, let me open up, bring you back into the conversation as well. Thoughts about the Evidence Act or more broadly, the impact that this idea of, of evidence-based decision-making is having on the Commerce Department? Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear uh, that NASA and David did a, a very integrated approach. We, we did that as well here at Commerce. We've got two statistical agencies, uh, the Census Bureau and the Bureau of Economic Analysis that calculates GDP and many other uh, macroeconomic indicators. So we have a really strong group of statisticians and ec economists uh, in the department who are, are real experts in data and very sophisticated uh, analysis and, and learning. And But we also have over 200 other programs and, uh, and 11 other operating units, and they may not be quite as uh, fur farther along as the statistical agencies. So the Evidence Act really, I think, 
helps them, although it emphasizes a lot on the statistical agencies. But I think the most room for improvement is within the non-statistical programs. And again, here at Commerce, we did uh, get out of the gate with a very integrated approach. We didn't do uh, the learning agenda and strategic planning in two separate silos. We actually did them in tandem. And uh, similarly, in our strategic plan, which did grow a little bit, we, we've got the one, one pager trifold. There you go. So <laughs> ours is a, is, did grow by about 20 pages. We, we kept it around 70. But yeah, our corporate plan's probably around you know, 10, 20 pages long. But nonetheless, we've got to get all this, this stuff in there. And, and I don't want to just look retrospectively and say, okay, well, it's great. We did the best practice of having it fully integrated. Uh, I really want to look forward and particularly agencies that didn't have the opportunity to fully integrate it and, and say, again, it's not too late. Here at Commerce, the evaluation officer used to be on our team and we actually embedded them with our statistical agencies. We have a brand new chief data officer. We're all very close, the three of us, uh, even though we're in separate groups, uh, we're on the same committees and have the same discussions. But I, I led into this at the beginning that a lot of these new uh, initiatives don't come with any new financial resources. And it may take two years with the federal budget cycle to even get a, a program request into the, into the machinery. Uh, so that, that's a challenge. So you have to kind of look around. And again, some government agencies are able to um, dedicate certain funds or have congressional mandates or earmarked to say, 5% or whatever percentage is going to be used for evaluation. Uh, but a lot of, I'd say most programs don't have that. And that's what we're looking at right now as we're looking at FY24 budget formulation is actually making the ask to all of our bureaus and programs that said, hey, if you've got a learning agenda question, and oh, by the way, similarly to NASA, we have three strategic objectives that are aligned to the three pillars of the presence management agenda. So each of those has a learning question or two or three. Are there funds in your FY, did you get any in your FY23 to support that uh, analysis and learning? And then uh, if not, are you getting it into your 24 ask? Uh, so that's on the resource side. But again, are you putting processes in place and learning loops? Because that hopefully doesn't take any money to get those learning loops, because that's really the intent. The intent is within the federal performance framework to layer in, nest in the, the evidence piece and, and put more emphasis on just not the measurement of the key performance indicators, but actually getting that learning loop by framing it more in questions. So again, you know, the old adage that data tells, but uh, stories sell, the learning loop and the evidence act and learning questions brings in a little more of the storytelling and the so what uh, piece. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. The guests on that panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center, Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit, sponsored by the Performance Institute. My guests on the panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center, 
Harry Knight, the executive director for China and former director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. OMB seems to be pushing or updating uh, the circular A11, and we don't want to bore people too much about what, what A11 is, but it is the part that kind of is like almost like the, the one, one piece of the management, circular management, kind of the way age, uh, OMB tells agencies the best approaches or, or what they expect of them to manage. So why is the Evidence Act A11 update important for people to know about or at least maybe keep a, on their radar? So OMB actually, in a lot of ways, has broken up the A11 into four sections, four main sections. Evidence Acts is really the, the latest addition as part of that, that, that four sections. I believe, I believe, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I believe strategic planning was, was section one. Evidence Acts is actually in section four. And, and actually, Mike Morello, who's probably the, listening to this, is probably like, Jeffrey, I'm going to kill you because I've, I've told you multiple <laughs> times what this is supposed to you know, how they're supposed to be. But those those are two main ap- aspects that are really coming in and and why they're so important is because of the fact that they're going to help help agencies, not just at the federal level, but at the city and county level, in a lot of ways, because they do have a tendency to follow follow the same aspects on how how best you want to be able to to communicate to the you know to our constituents as well as internally to help us manage the overall organization. I mean, think about the if you literally take a look and, and think about what Pam was talking about, the federal government is probably the largest employer in the United States. There are 320 million people that are supported by approximately 7 million federal agencies. Latest number I'm not positive on, but about 7 million people. Show me another company in the United States that supports and actually employs 7 million people. Then you're going to add in the cities, the counties, the states. You're talking about government is a big business in, in, in the United States. And if you don't have true guidelines or at least some type of a rule book to follow, you're going to end up with a lot of mayhem and a lot of, a lot of missteps and a lot of utilization of funds that that don't need to be utilized. I mean, one thing that, you know, you've got, you've got your three most important resources of people, money, and time. Well, if you start throwing away money, then time and, and resources are, you know, your, your people are kind of waiting. You're, you're, it's, it's a three-legged stool, no matter how you look at it. David, go ahead and throw your thoughts in. From the agency perspective, you know, I can't speak highly enough of, of how important of a tool A11, you know, and having that update every year is, you know, for me and my work. You know, nobody wants new requirements. Nobody, you know, wants to do more work. Everybody is bandwidth and, and resource constrained. A11, in particular, the schedules in A11, you know, kind of allow me to go. And when talking to my people, I have this direction from on high. You know, this is the schedule. This is when we need to get things done. This is what we're required to get done. And so it provides me a little bit of like the stick that I need to make sure that people are doing the things that we need to be doing. And then in terms of like the developing of that update every year, I can't speak highly enough of the collaborative relationship that we have with OMB, the performance staff over there, the evidence staff over there, and then the other 23 CFO Act agencies. You know, I love that for the last six or seven years now, OMB issues data calls to folks like Harry and I um, as they're considering, you know, updates for A11 for the next year. And one of the questions they ask is, how can we make this more useful for you? How can we make these integration and tie points between GIFPRAMA and Evidence Act clearer or more succinct? And then they go ahead and do a draft of what that next update might look like. 
And then they actually kick that draft out for folks like Harry and I to take a look at and provide feedback once again, so that by the time we get a final update to A11, you know, we're already well read in um, on what it's going to contain, you know, and we feel like we've had a voice that's played into the development process. David, I have to say, I've been doing this a long time. I don't think I've ever had anyone say, I'm really glad OMB issued me a data call. I think, I don't think I've ever heard that <laughs> nope. for being honest really, about really when, when things work. But I think one of the pieces here that, and we have a question from the audience, so we're going to get to that in a second, but I think what's really important that you said there, and I just want to maybe ha hammer that home is OMB has done a great job ever since I think middle of the Obama administration, maybe even early Obama administration of reaching out to folks like yourself. I see this all the time in the technology community, the CIO community asking for feedback on drafts or ideas or asking, hey, here's what the draft looks like, give us your feedback. So when it's out there, there are no surprises, everyone understands it. And credit goes to the Trump administration too for following that up and continuing that process. And uh, I've not heard, I've not seen a lot of new policies from the uh, Biden administration, but I know they did that with some of the tech stuff like Zero Trust, some of the other cyber policies. I imagine they're doing the same with, with non-cyber policies as well. Uh, I. I just haven't heard about it, but I imagine they are. So, so thank you for bringing that up because I think that's that's definitely key. We have a couple questions coming in. Let's start with the first one from Robin. Uh, she asks, this I guess just for the entire panel, does the Evidence Act replace GPRA modernization or should it be implemented and incorporated into it? Maybe that's a David question, but I'll open it to Jeff and Harry too. Maybe David, you want to start us off? I don't really look at it as replacing uh, Giprama. I look at it as an evolution. You know, even the way that, that we tend to talk about it, you know, when there was Giprama, we talked to the strategic performance framework. Now with the Evidence Act, you know, we when we describe it, we talk to the strategic performance evaluation framework. So for me, I, I just think that it builds, you know, upon the successes of Giprama, not necessarily replaces it. I agree with David. It, it's one of those things where it's kind of like in a lot of ways, you want to think about think about it as a car. You know, you started out with with one model. Now you've upgraded all the features and functionality. The car still, you know, now the car is going to be a little faster, a little bit better. The next iteration that that uh, that OMB you know gets ready to push out is also going to be an add-on to that aspect. I do not see a, a replacement, at least not at this stage of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, my key point is integration, and, and these things can't be bolt-on new silos because the brass tacks of it is when you're trying to to talk to senior leadership in your agency or that's getting a meeting with the CFO or the deputy director of the agency or the director or secretary, deputy secretary, I mean, they have a lot on their plate. And the last thing they need is to have two, three different offices come and not singing from the same sheet of music, one talking risk with a whole different framework one talking performance with a different framework and one with a learning agenda with a different framework. The three need to be synced up in, in your agency. That's that's a bottom line. Jeffrey, let me let me maybe ask you a follow-up based on that too. Do you get a sense that GPRA modernization, the initial GPRA, which dates back to 19, I think 93, if I remember correctly, does the Evidence Act build onto it or is it kind of a carve out in some ways? Uh, it's a little bit of a curveball, so maybe uh, we didn't really prep it this way. But but do you get a sense that that Congress, I'll uh, use the word, did a nice job of understanding the the, the steps, the evolution of, of this uh, idea of understanding using data to drive decisions to make performance decisions? You know, it really, truly has been a community, um, especially within the last five or six years and um, just unbelievably collaborative community. Um, and I think that we all look out for each other. 
And I think that OMB does a really great job corralling all of us and keeping us on point. Yeah, and I'll add on, again, anytime there's a, a document like this, uh, the PMA and, and these legal uh, acts with the Evidence Act, they do give you a little more oomph. So if your agency's been struggling trying to get that customer experience uh, program stood up or, or embed uh, more uh, data-driven decision-making, this is the opportunity to, to flag. Uh, maybe it'll get a little more sunshine and, and a little more oomph across the finish line to say, hey, well, we do have the, the Evidence Act. We do have the new presence management agenda here. This, this initiative I'm trying really hard to get going in my agency is aligned directly with pillar two for the presence management agenda. And when you're putting in that 24 budget request, uh, you know, flagging it, hey, this aligns directly with PMA item number, number three or PMA item number two, or this is required by the, the Evidence Act. There, there's real opportunity there from getting a little more uh, executive attention on this. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. The guests on that panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center, Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit, sponsored by the Performance Institute. My guests on the panel were David Walters, the Chief of the Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center. Harry Knight, the executive director for China and former director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. Let's go back to something Harry said, and, and you talked about funding. And I think this is an important piece to maybe hit upon. A lot of times what we see in the government is, great, another unfunded mandate, or great, another thing we have to do on top of the things we already do. And, and Harry, you, you, I think, put it really well to say, how are you planning for it? How, how is the PMA driving that relook at, okay, where the resources go? So maybe start with how's commerce addressed it? You mentioned 2022 budget, 2023 budget planning, 2024 budget planning. Beyond the budget side, are you also looking at how are you kind of ensuring the resources are in the right place? We do have a, a great uh, teamwork with the budget and they have a template. I wasn't just winging it here. They actually have a template and guidance that goes out every year that says to flag these new program increase requests. And if they're aligned to a White House initiative or an executive order or a PMA item or a new strategic objective in the strategic plan. So we're doing that. And we always do that. And that helps with the rack and stack is, again, you get way more requests than, than there's funding for, probably on an order of four to one. Um, and then the other one that, that's new is uh, through our evaluation officer to do this ask with the bureaus to say, okay, you guys sort of committed to some learning questions here. Uh, yeah, the, the bureaus and programs are the ones that submit the, the resource requests uh, and to take a hard look to say, are you putting some, some funding requests in there? Uh, so that's the new element to it. And then, of course, you know, just the, the, the way we've always had to do it sometimes is to, to, to just multitask and wear multiple hats. I, 
I don't think that's the best way. It does get you integration sometimes uh, when the same person's wearing all four hats or something. But the reality is, is you, what I don't want to have happen is again, silos to say, okay, let's, let's now have four or five different operating units uh, within the sort of what their OMB kind of refers to as executive decision support. So program management act, evidence act, chief data officer, performance officer, uh, evaluation officer, all five of them with their own pillar, making their own individual asks, because there's not enough resources to fully resource all of those to what they need to be. So you have to drive some kind of synergy there and, and, and ideally get them where they're almost pooling and sharing resources, because they're all trying to get to the same end, to get uh, data, to drive decision-making and get those feedback loops to improve program performance and achieve the priority. David, you want to weigh in a little bit too, just on the resources issue? I think that's a big, big challenge for a lot of agencies. Yeah, it's a huge challenge for us. It's probably the number one challenge when it comes to Evidence Act implementation uh, and, and the continued growth of our Giprama products. Um, I think one of the places where you see that impact immediately jump out at you is as we are developing our four-year learning agenda. And we're asking our senior leadership, you know, what are the priority questions that NASA should be focusing on for the next four years? I mean, the first question you get is, you know, are these funded studies? You know, is this stuff that we have to do, you know, within current budgets? And their answers are wildly different, you know, based on the resources that are going to come in. And for this first iteration of our learning agenda, the answer was often, you know, this is an unfunded mandate you know, what can we do, you know, with current resources? Um, and that really influenced greatly the priority questions that you see in our current strategic plan. And then just in terms of execution, resources present a huge challenge for someone like me, you know, that has a team that's used to working the Giprama uh, silo and now being asked to build, you know, all of these new Evidence Act products and processes into our work. It's been a real, real challenge, um, and it's something that we've struggled with continuously. And what I try to do is just stay positive. I try to remind everybody that the Evidence Act is still in its infancy, that if you were to go back and look at Giprama two years after it was enacted, you know, that team was facing similar challenges to what we're doing now. There will be resources that will become available in future years, especially if we do the work well, and that uh, there's there's a reason why that this legislation was passed, going to build on our prior efforts, um, and that ultimately it's a good thing. But just kind of staying positive as we're going through these growing pains has been a huge tool in my tool belt. That's all the time we have for today. You just heard an excerpt of a recent panel I moderated at the Government Performance Summit sponsored by the Performance Institute. My guests on that panel were David Walters, the Chief of Strategic Planning, Performance Management, and Reporting Branch at the NASA Johnson Space Center. Harry Knight, the Executive Director for China and former Director of the Office of Performance Evaluation at the Commerce Department, and Jeff Yevsky, the CEO of the Performance Institute. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 
Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.